0: Hello and welcome to the 1% podcast powered by the 1% campaign at Sir Robert McAlpine. This series is all about empowering and inspiring women both on and off-site. We will be smashing stereotypes and confronting the realities of building a career in construction as a woman. Our final topic today will be smashing the glass ceiling. I'm joined by three guests who are all at various stages of their career. We're going to discuss how women can build their careers, particularly in a male-dominated sector. So to my guests, can you please introduce yourselves?
1: I'm Alison Cox, I'm Director of Engineering and Technical Services for Sir Robert McAlpine. So that means I have responsibility for running our business as part of the executive leadership team and the board. And I'm also responsible for around 150 people who work in our design group, our plant department, and as subject matter experts in health, safety, and wellbeing, sustainability, assurance, and technical compliance.
2: Hi, my name is Sukhraj Pua and I'm the Assistant Design Manager for Sir Robert McAlpine. My role is genuinely helping with coordinating design on site and reviewing design and developing it alongside the architects and subcontractors.
3: Hi, I'm Sharon Slinger, a Director of Constructing Rainbows. My background, I'm a Chartered Quantities surveyor, predominantly for main contractors. In the last few years, I've been working across the industry with clients such as Sir Robert McAlpine, helping them to implement their diversity and inclusion strategies.
0: Thank you all for sharing that. So you've kind of dug into my next question, which is what, um, if you can share more detail what you do. So maybe if you could sort of look across what an average week would look like, how much time you're on site, how much time you're in office, meetings, et cetera, just so we have a sort of cross-section of what your day-to-day would look like start
3: with you Sharon. Yeah so at, at the moment um, in my current role doing diversity inclusion and obviously COVID I'm, I'm at home pretty much 100% of the time I would have traveled out to see clients and things across the country actually prior to COVID. In my role when I was a, a QS I was predominantly on site working on projects so I've got an understanding of, of what
2: it's like to have in site life. I would be on site on a normal basis prior to COVID five days a week and my normal day would be reviewing drawings details setting up design meetings with different subcontractors with the architect and working through issues that we find on site and in drawings and developing the design as well as just keeping the whole team basically coordinated with each other.
1: And my day is pretty much entirely at home at the moment through COVID. Before the lockdown, I would have a really great mix of site visits and then being in our regional offices or head office, meeting people, talking to our teams about their challenges uh, and trying to help resolve some of those. And then business leadership meetings, such as board meetings, where we are making
0: some fairly critical decisions about the direction that we go in. Cool. Thank you. So that's quite a bit of diversity there, which is great. So obviously, this series is called the 1% Podcast because uh, multiple studies have shown that it's about 1% of women on construction sites working on the tools. So what does that statistic mean for you? And is that higher or lower than what you would have expected? Um, we'll start with you, Sok.
2: I'm a bit surprised by that figure, actually. I thought it would have been more just because women are getting into construction. But on terms of the tools, I know I've seen one or two females on our site on the tools. So quite surprised by that.
0: Alison, I guess you're next.
1: So I knew about the 1% statistic, I've seen it firsthand. The SRM teams that I've worked in have always had a higher percentage of women. Uh, But especially when I first started, it was really rare to find a woman working on the tools. And it, it feels as though women are really missing out on huge job satisfaction. You know, we know that if women take craft activities and really enjoy them. And working with your hands to create something on site is is an extension of that. And you walk away at the end of the day and you can see the results of your efforts. And then at the end of a year or two, there's a building. So it doesn't get much better than that.
3: Yeah, um, obviously, with my job, I was aware of the statistic, it's something that we've really got to try and improve. And I think, you know, companies like SRM can be helping support supply chains and subcontractors to encourage more women to, to join up and, and to, to get uh, more women on site. As we know, having more diversity on site, it, it helps in a number of ways, you know, coming up with new ideas, solutions that maybe we, we haven't thought of yet. Um, so it would be really encouraging to see organisations really focusing on, it, on making those improvements.
0: Yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, so looking back at your sort of history, when you were younger in school, did you imagine a career in construction? And if so, do you remember around about what age?
2: I personally did not see myself in construction. It was never a career path for me. Um, I always thought, thought I'd be office space. A lot of my peers also thought there would be office space as well, just in a normal nine to five job on the computers. And yeah, it was a quite a big change for me.
1: I guess I'm, I was a bit different from that because as a child, I, I loved taking things apart, even if I couldn't always put them back together again. And I love Lego. I went to an all girls school and never said to me, girls don't do physics. So it never occurred to me not to. And I had some good careers advice, which steered me towards engineering. And I just took it from there. When I was 17, I got a summer job with SRM. And by the end of the first week there, I knew that working on site was what I wanted to do.
3: That's brilliant. Um, so so for me, it wasn't something I considered. My school wasn't was one that kind of, push people down law and accountancy route but what i did do when i was i think it was in sixth form trying to decide what to do at university i did one of those careers questionnaires uh where you put in kind of what you're good at what you enjoy and at the top of it came quantity surveying and i was like and I was like, what, what on earth, quantity surveying? And so I, I looked into it and got myself some, some work experience and, and really loved the mix of kind of office-based and site-based. And I thought, Do you know what, this, this looks good. And I've never regretted taking that decision at all. It's, a, it's an industry that I absolutely love. Uh, and I love being able to see kind of what we've built on the skyline. Um, it, it's, it's a great feeling
0: there's a range of interesting answers there. So I guess to dig a little bit deeper, when you sort of got into the industry, did you see that as a viable career? And um, or was that something you were looking at as a short term temporary thing? Or was it very much a clear trajectory? So I guess just unpack that a little more.
2: I saw it as a career when I got into construction. But my biggest fear was whether I had the skill or the quality to stay with it and stick with it as a career. I felt I was quite inexperienced. So as much as I wanted it to be a career, I just hoped it wasn't going to be a short-term thing because my biggest fear is being in a job where you're not happy five years down the line, 10 years down the line. But quite quickly, I realized, especially with SRM being the first construction company I've ever worked with, that this is actually quite a great career choice for me and I'm very happy with where I am and where I'm progressing and I can definitely see myself progressing down this career path even though I didn't plan it in advance but you know life happens and sometimes you get the greatest opportunities.
1: I guess I saw right from the beginning that there was a career route and maybe I was lucky in that as an engineer um, working for such an engineering heavy business as SRM, it was really clear that there was a route for me there through from graduate engineer, package engineer, section engineer, up to project management, if that's what I wanted to do. So yeah, I saw it as a, as a career choice right from the beginning. Yeah, same here. I mean, I did quantities vaying
3: at uni I was sponsored by uh, a main contractor so I got to work with them over the summer and in my placement year Mm -hmm. interestingly SRM turned me down for sponsorship but (laughs) 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 and I really enjoyed it I I, I love being out on site and the camaraderie of the teams and you know as I said I've I've never looked back and regretted regretted it at all I think I think it's a great opportunity for for anybody that wants to get involved in, in such an a great industry.
0: So, um, obviously, we've got again quite a cross-section of career starting points and sort of where you are now. So, let's look a bit deeper. Um, we'll, we'll start with you, Alison. But how has your career in construction changed and evolved from what you initially planned? And uh, particularly highlight when it sort of transitions you didn't think or sort of see coming, or opportunities that presented themselves. I guess.
1: First of all, I worked as a graduate engineer, initially in our design office and then in several projects in London, um, including the Jubilee Line extension and Croydon Tremlink. And at that point, it worked really hard to get chartered as a civil engineer. And then I got married and my husband was offered a job in the States. Uh, and that was really the first point where I had to decide to deviate from what might have been expected as the career path. So I decided to go with him. Uh, And I managed to find a job there as well. And then after a couple of years, we came back to Europe and I went back to SRM, kind of picked up where I'd left off and then a couple of years after that my eldest son was born and at that point Dave was working in Holland so I had to properly leave SRM not just take maternity leave and then I spent the next nine years being the full-time parent first of all in Holland and then we spent five years in Italy before we came back to the UK and so then when we did come back I had three children three boys and when the youngest one started school, I felt I would be ready to go back to work. I didn't think it was realistic to come back to a career in construction, to be honest, mostly because of the long hours uh, and the unpredictability of the location. You know, you just have to go where the site is. So I planned to retrain and become a teacher. But just before I signed up for the course, I remembered what my regional manager had said to me when I left, which was when you're ready to come back, whenever it is, please come and talk to us. So I picked up
0: the phone. That's a great regional manager.
1: It certainly (laughs) is. And and what what he said absolutely transformed my career because he said to me, tell us what hours you want to work and we'll find a job for you which meant that I came back to McAlpines. I wasn't a loss to the profession. I didn't go off and do something else. And that was really revolutionary. It was fantastic.
0: Well, I can say on behalf of the company, we uh, thank that regional manager.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I
2: actually studied in architecture. So going into university, I had like, because architecture is a seven-year degree. You do sort of plan out those seven years. I'm going to study for four years, then go to a practice And when I did go and work for a practice in my year out, as much as it was a great learning curve, it was actually when I went on site to one of the projects to see the construction of it, when I realised that I don't like being office space as much as I like being out on site. So for me, that was a massive thing that I realised that I liked. And I really wanted to focus on that but with my degree in architecture I didn't know what skill sets I would need to even get onto like the construction side so for me I finished my undergrad in architecture and I took a year out worked for the same architecture firm and I kind of discussed my options with family members would I need to go back into training to kind of get an entry into the construction site it was actually the male family members that kind of said to me go for it you will learn a lot more and you might not even need a master's to get that skill set that you need. You will learn more on site than you will by theory. And I have learned way more in my year here on site than I have in my undergrad for four years. And my the thing is that my learning is still going ahead and I'm learning more as I go, like on a daily basis. So for me, I'm gaining that skill set and confidence in practice than I would have done in theory. So for me, that was a great thing
0: for me. Do you find that now you've been on site, obviously, we've worked on the same sites, based on your time on site, um, the last year at Springfield, are there sort of roles and opportunities that you've seen where you could potentially go to that you didn't realise existed sort of 12, 18 months ago?
2: Well, when I was working in an architectural practice and wanted to make that transition into construction, I did not know what role would be suitable to me. So when I did have an interview with Alex and Joe for the assistant design manager role, they kind of said to me with my skill set, with what I've learned from architecture, it would be great to go into an assistant design manager role first before anything else because that's where I can utilize my skills the most and that's what I can build upon. So I didn't even know that that was a role for me. So that in itself was great. And I can definitely see myself now progressing to becoming, going through the design manager role from assistant to design manager to maybe even senior. But for me, I'm learning so much in the role that I am now. You also never know where construction will take you. And that's what I like about it. And there's so many opportunities to kind of cross transfer your skills from everyone around you, especially the team that I'm working with. I'm learning so much from the people around me that I'm just kind of taking it all in and seeing where that takes me in the future.
0: Thank you. So Sharon, do you remember what the original question was? (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah so
3: I was a bit like Alison in kind of a few years after graduation I went to Australia and worked for a couple of years there it was the head office of the company I was working for at home so I got that opportunity to to go work there as a cost planner which which is a great opportunity Um, and I look back now and wish I was there right now I came back worked on another new huge 140 million pound project and that's what I'd predominantly done in my career and then i made the move to to fm and instead of working on like one big project i was i was managing a team that were were um focused on lots of little projects for fm clients um uh, which was a which was a different move again it meant that i um didn't have to move to the big projects wherever they were like alison mentioned um i could be based in 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 kind of the leeds office travel around the country um to to where it was needed I, I really enjoyed that I, I really liked the kind of different options of sometimes working at home sometimes working on the road and and sometimes in the office and i, I love that kind of mix of things um and, and whilst i was there i got more involved in the diversity and inclusion um piece and that was where i really started to dis- decide absolutely love this industry but i i just there are a few things that i would i would change to make it a bit better and i was could see i was having an impact there and what i decided to then do was to leave there and set up on my own, uh, and I get to work across across the industry in various different types of organisations because we are a huge industry, and and helping them to um, yeah to, to to implement and and put in place diversity and inclusion inclusion strategies, and it, it's great to see. I get a mix of people that I, I get to meet up with and i'm really enjoying it and and every stage i think you know it's been the right time for me to make that move um and i think that you know another great thing about construction is you, you can move around do different things but and it feels totally different but actually it's still using your skill sets and i think that's what we need to be encouraging is is people kind of if they if they're a little bit unhappy you know stay within the industry but look at another part of the industry and use your skill sets here
0: I think that's perfect. I think all of you have sort of clearly demonstrated there are so many options and pathways, and it's really all about what you want to do. So, thank you for sharing all of that. I guess the next couple of questions when you were sort of finishing your studies or whatever sort of led you into construction, was there a sort of prize job that a lot of your peers were doing? And um, any sort of major career points, has people been surprised by your choices to sort of stay in or engage with something?
1: Yeah, I graduated in 1994, so right into a recession, and it was the era of the milk round where big employers came around universities to advertise themselves and to recruit you know, lots of management consultancies and accounting firms, and that's what most of my peers went off to do. And luckily, I didn't need to worry about that because I'd accepted sponsorship from SRM. I had a, a graduate job to go to. At the time, you know, I wasn't nearly as well paid as uh, some of these people who went off to the firms, but actually the rewards that I've got from my career has far outstripped the, the disparity in the salary. I know where I would rather be.
0: Did you find people were surprised at your choices back then?
1: I guess not because you know they knew I'd done an engineering degree. It was very vocational, so it was kind of it. It wasn't it wasn't a surprising choice, though. So not all of my engineering um, degree group went into into engineering, so I didn't have to. It wasn't it wasn't a given, but um, it wasn't surprising to people either.
0: Thanks, Sharon. How about you?
3: Yeah. I think in some respects it's similar. So I had I my peer group of friends, you know, a lot of them are doctors and lawyers and, and, and what have you. And I took a, and teachers and I took a different, different route. And, um, you know, I think sometimes I thought, you know, are they better than me? Cause they're doing these big jobs. Um, and actually I just, you know, look back and think actually I, I've really enjoyed my career. I sound like I'm coming to the end of it. I'm not not at the end of it, <laughs> but but I have really enjoyed it, and it, it was the right decision for me. And I think that's the the message out there is to make the decision that's right for you. Because if you go to a job that you you think you should be doing rather than a job that you actually enjoy, then then you're not going to last very long in it, or you're going to be unhappy in it. And so I think
2: you know I've made a decision that I'm I'm happy with, and I've really enjoyed. I think I agree with that as well, Sharon. And also a lot of pe- young people, um, especially in my year, they're the most favourable job opportunities were lawyers, accountants. I think young people tend to go for job security as well as a balance between what their family would like them to do as well. I know my family would have liked me to become a doctor or a dentist or something like that. But again, it's something that you've got to do to make yourself happy. And me being practical is more of a skill to me. And I just think that construction, the career is, makes me happy in my profession and my job. And although my family were a bit shocked, but they do kind of see me in that sort of environment. So yeah.
0: Thank you. So we've touched on this a little bit. The the question is how much training has been involved in getting to where you are right now in your career? So obviously you've touched on sort of the earlier days. So I guess training and support to Keep continue that elevation and growth. Um, Sharon, do you want to start with that, please.
3: Yeah. So um, obviously, did it, did quantity surveying at uni, and and then went on to the graduate scheme for the contractor that I was working for. Then, and I always say actually to to kind of younger people, make sure you get those foundations in. Uh, those first couple of years are really important. And then you can go off and do what you want. After that, I then managed to get my chartership, which, which I was actually didn't think I was that young when I did it. But actually, when you look back, I was I was fairly young for that. Again, that was going through with the RICS. It's quite a quite a big thing to do. Your assessment of professional competency. So there's a lot of a lot of um, training that you've got to do along with that. I think there's an area within our industry that we can do more training on, and that's management skills, particularly inclusive management. And I think, you know, as a, as an industry, that's probably an area that we need to focus on more. And then obviously, when I switched over to diversity and inclusion, I, I had that switch again and learning new skills and, and a lot of training, especially around running my own business, which is a, which is a bit of a shock when you're going from a, a kind of a, a large organization where you have teams around you to then having to do everything yourself but it's you know big learning curve but well worth it.
2: Yeah so for me there wasn't any specific training that I undertook for the assistant design manager role Um, instead most of the training that I would have needed for this role I kind of just undertook as I was working in my role and with my team knowing that I didn't really have experience in this industry or in this role I learned more from everyone else, their advice to me on a daily basis, and also what I learned from studying architecture in terms of how to review drawings, skills like that, that was easily transferable. But like I said, most of my skills came from on site and from around my team.
0: Do you find that you have a clear direction of what you need to progress further in terms of training and support?
2: At the beginning of the role, I wasn't sure. When you start a new role, you don't tend to know quite clearly if you're doing the role well. Um, You could be doing it really badly or you could think you're doing it like really good. So with SRM, with our reviews that we have, our quarterly reviews, from there on, I've been able to establish with the design manager and the project manager what i need to learn more of my weaknesses what i need to what training could be useful to me and so far there isn't any specific training um but just gaining that experience on site at the minute is that focus
0: thank you so allison you obviously are still using your engineering degree but what else has sort of supplemented and helped elevate you up to where you are now
1: so, um, I, I agree with, with Suk and with Sharon about the, the approach to training. I sat my uh, engineering charter exams fairly early stage in my career. And what that did was it instilled in me a really good um, professional development ethic if you like where it's a real virtuous circle. So every few months you sit down, you have a think um either by yourself or with your manager about what areas you will you need to develop to do the job you're doing at the moment better, but also about where you might want to go next and what you might want to be able to, to take steps. And then you can go off and, and really um, do some reading or go on a training course or, um, you know, learn from colleagues, as Suk as was saying. Um, and then you kind of you, you get in the good habit of recording that, reflecting on what you've learned. And then in, in the next six monthly review, you can look at that again and say, right, OK, have I achieved it? What can I do now? Now I've learned all this stuff and set your new goals for the next stage of the cycle. I find that incredibly stimulating because there's always something new to learn.
0: Thank you. And I agree with that sentiment. There's always growth and opportunity there. So, digging into the sort of working in a male, traditionally male dominated environment, do you think there's been, can you identify any instance where you've been, you know, either impacted or advantaged or disadvantagedly, um, just with in terms of your progression?
2: I personally think that being a woman in construction right now, to me, would be an advantage because people are more intrigued um, to see what women can do on a site because it's not like a normal thing. It's not a usual thing, especially with the 1% of women being on tools. I always take advantage and I always want to prove myself further and be able to break those boundaries, whether it's within your own team, whether it's on your construction site or whether it's something like this on a podcast. So I've, I always take it as an advantage. And I think right now is the great time for women to get involved in construction. Loads of people want to see this opportunity. For example, for a construction job, if you had 10 male applying for a job and one female, um, chances are the employer wants to know what skill sets a female's got as well. So it's like using it to your advantage.
1: I agree with with all of that so that was my experience particularly in my, my early career um, so it took me a little while to figure out Uh, when I first started that my male colleagues didn't know any more than I did. They just talked more than I did. Um, (laughs) And once I'd overcome that barrier, I was fine. And and I think that you do stand out as a woman when you do a good job in this industry, and it helps you to be remembered. Um, And I had a few really good managers who became informal mentors and pushed me from one opportunity to the next. But then I had another kind of light bulb moment when I came back into the industry after my career break and all of a sudden there were a lot more women around and it took a bit of a mindset shift for me to acknowledge that we were stronger together Um, and I had a really positive experience through a group called the Women Leaders Association uh, where female leaders in a lot of different industries shared openly and honestly what they actually felt and that really helped me to realize that if they could do it I could too
0: That's very powerful. Sharon, do you have anything you want to share on that?
3: Yeah, I've had, I've had situations where men are promoted or or individuals are promoted ahead of me. And there's not an obvious reason why that, why that has happened. And I've also had uh, instances where the guys on site have gone off for race day and I've not been invited. And it, it may seem petty, but it, it actually, it matters because this is where networking is happening. This is where discussions about jobs are happening. And if you're kind of excluded from that, it it, it does affect your career. Um, I think there are things that, that women can do to help promote themselves. For example, I was absolutely rubbish at the start of my career about asking for a promotion. I just expected if I knuckled down and worked hard and did met all my targets and exceeded them whatever then i would be noticed and it would naturally come and actually sometimes you have to ask for these things so i think there are kind of opportunities where i could have done things differently but likewise i think there are still a lot of barriers to progression maybe not within some companies which like srm which are much more inclusive than others but but there are there are some companies that still struggle with those barriers
0: Thank you. So to sort of wrap up now, I guess to sort of celebrate where you are in your careers now, most inspirational moment or a a funny career anecdote, if you have one you would like to share.
1: Um, yeah, I've been, I've been trying to rack my brains for amusing, and I <laughs> haven't really got anything on that, but but one one really high point for me was when I was working on the Bloomberg building, um, so Bloomberg's London headquarters, which was a really, truly amazing project, and um, I went to New York with the architect to present some of the designs to the client, and and the seven of us in the room, including some of the most senior people in the Bloomberg business, who were the decision makers about you know, how the money on the project was going to be spent, and only one of those seven people was a man. And that—that that was, I think, a real high point for me. That it felt as though, actually, uh, the women are making things happen around here.
0: That's great. Thank you, Sook.
1: Um. Quite easily, I think
2: for me, it's just knowing that I'm doing a good job is just inspiration enough for me to be proud of myself. Simple things like when, for example, my project manager would basically let me know on the side that you know you're doing a good job. You are doing you're doing more than we expected, um, given we've got no experience. So for me, that means a lot, and it shows that I'm on the right path. In terms of an anecdote within three weeks of starting on site I did step into fresh concrete blinding (laughs) by accident and I freaked out because I thought this was going to be the natural floor and I didn't know it was concrete blinding so I panicked and thought I was going to be fired (laughs) but I didn't so it's all good and it's concrete blinding so it's fine Yeah, so I was a bit like Alison. I'm like,
3: what what funny, funny moment can I think of? And then I was like, actually, it's more like, what funny moment can I think of that I would share on a, a podcast? <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't come up with any, so... Um... <laughs> Um, Inspirational is
0: fine as well. It's either or, so. <laughs>
3: Yeah. My career highlight really was uh, last year I became fellow of, of our ICS and we did it as part of a group because we found out that um, there was – something like only 4% of fellows were female and they are ICS, yet we knew lots of inspirational women out there. And um, so with the Women in Surveying Group, we took the lead, went for it, and then we've been supporting uh, women to go for fellowship because sometimes it's just that little bit of a nudge to say you are good enough go for it and and they actually last year got the the highest number of female fellows ever and and so that 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 to me just kind of shows that just supporting each other uh can really help us to to kind of get further in our careers in the industry
1: that's brilliant sharon
0: Yes, I agree. Thank you for all of this. I've got one final question which I've asked on all the podcasts and that is, what's your favourite part about working in construction?
1: It's got to be the variety. No two days are the same. You meet a huge range of people. And, you know, you can be one minute you're talking to the uh, the gate person, or the traffic marshal on a site, and the next minute you're talking to the titled owner of a business that you're trying to build a building for, you know, and, and everything in between. Um, there's always something new to learn. And at the end of the day, you have the ultimate job satisfaction of being able to walk away and say, I built that.
2: No I agree with that I think for me I get extremely proud of small things that I've seen the details of and then seeing them on site and developing that and just seeing something that's being built that you're a part of is a massive accomplishment Um, and I think that's great.
3: And I'd probably say the people Um, I've met some really amazing inspirational people in this industry I've got amazing friends from different projects and different companies that I've worked at who are lifelong friends. And we just, you know, get on really well in the office and have fun at the same time as doing some really serious work. So I think it's the people for me.
0: Excellent. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> That's all we have time for today. Thank you, Alison, Sharon, and Suk for sharing your insights and experience with us. For more information on the topics we have discussed, please visit the 1% campaign website at srm.com. If you'd like to ask a question or suggest a topic to feature in the future, please tweet at we Are Macalpine. A big thank you to all our guests who've taken part in this series. Until next time, thank you for listening.